shall we begin? All right, all right, all right. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? This is going to be quite a ride. And hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Movie Pit Podcast. I am your host, Christian. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. Before we get to it, I just want to mention that, obviously, you can, as you can tell, the podcast is coming out a little earlier than usual. I've got some stuff going on this weekend that uh, I need to address. And if you hear any little random noises in the background, uh, I am recording in a different room that I usually record in. Uh, and this room actually has the air conditioner on. Uh, I can't turn it off because otherwise this room is going to get hot as hell again. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so if you hear any little random thing off in the background, it's either the air conditioner or my cat. Uh, messing around with stuff that he's not supposed to. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. So, anyway, welcome to the Movie Pit Podcast. I am your host, Christian, like I just mentioned not too long ago. This is the podcast where we talk about all of the latest big breaking movie news items that have come out throughout the week. We also talk about the movie trailers that came out this week. We also talk about the movies that are out in theaters this week for all your viewing pleasures and, of course, everything in between. So, I'm not going to waste any of your time this week. We're just going to jump right into the movie news. So, we have one movie news item that came out last week after the podcast went up uh, that I want to talk about and that a lot of people were talking about and people are still talking about a little bit to this day thanks to a uh, report uh, I believe it was from Variety that I will link down below in the description uh, slash show notes area if you want to go check it out and read it it's actually worth a read but the movie news item that was first reported this is mostly what I'm taking uh, this report from is that uh, Universal Pictures has made a rare-ish move. It's not completely rare, but it's a little rare that it happens, especially nowadays, considering you know, all the streaming services that we have and stuff. Uh, but Universal Pictures has made the rare-ish move over the weekend by deciding to cancel their release of their upcoming satirical thriller The Hunt. And it's mostly due to, of course, the horrible incidents, uh, incidences of uh, mass shootings uh, here in the States. Of course, El Paso, Texas, and Daytona, Ohio come to mind. Uh, at first, before the cancellation, uh, the studio Universal and Blumhouse uh, halted the film's marketing, uh, but uh, a- a- there was a few uh, little tidbits of it uh, that they took off from ESPN. I know ESPN showed one. Uh, I think there was another, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was, a- they mentioned a specific news station, but I, I, f- I didn't put it in my outline here but regardless of that uh they halted the film's marketing and it wasn't until our uh dumbass president uh in general not just in this situation uh but uh he tweeted something related to the movie uh of course he was targeting other movies as well but this one in particular he didn't mention it by name but he pretty much kind of almost did it was obvious that he was talking about the hunt he mentioned it in a tweet, and then everyone was kind of just up in arms about it, and, you know, now the movie's not coming out. So for those unfamiliar, by the way, and the reason why it's been uh, canceled is that The Hunt follows, again, this is a satirical thriller. It's not based on something they're actually trying to tell. It is about a group of elite liberals who are hunting down a group of people from conservative red states uh, known as in the script as deplorables. 
so originally the movie was called uh, Blue State versus Red State, and then they changed it to The Hunt, and now obviously the movie is not coming out in general. Uh, I was somewhat looking forward to it, uh, just because it looked kind of interesting. I mean, the concept itself isn't something we haven't seen before, uh, or yeah, something we haven't seen before. We've seen kind of this idea done in the past, but uh, this looked kind of interesting. I was actually uh, a little interested in, in seeing it, but now obviously we're not going to get the chance. And I mentioned earlier that it's a rarish move. It's not the first time that a movie has been affected by real life tragedies. Uh, in some cases, one of the big ones uh, that I think most of us will remember, or at least you know have a hand in remembering, uh, was the shooting at Aurora, uh, Aurora, Colorado. The shooting during the The Dark Knight Rises uh, screening at midnight. Uh, Gangster Squad was affected by that because in Gangster Squad there was a key sequence that involved a shooting at a theater that led the studio and the filmmakers to go back and have to reshoot that key sequence all over again because of that. And uh, because of that also, they pulled all the trailers from theaters that had a brief scene from that particular sequence of the movie in the trailer. Phone Booth was another one. Uh, The movie with Colin Farrell when he stuck in a phone booth was delayed because of the real-life sniper attack uh, in, I believe it was Washington, D.C., the British action film Bastille Day had its release delayed because of a terrorist attacks, because of the terrorist attacks in Paris in 2015, and then the, and then French theaters pulled the movie in 2016, a year after following an attack uh, on, uh, or in Nice, France, on Bastille Day. There's a bunch of other of these that also have this uh, O, which was a modern day uh, some modern day telling in the 90s, anyway, take on Shakespeare's Othello, which was supposed to come out in April of 1999, but then, uh, the Columbine incident, which is called an incident, so that's the, kind of the word I'm using throughout, uh, it was a terrible tragedy, obviously, but, uh, the Columbine, I'll just say tragedy, I guess, that's probably fits, that's more fitting, uh, the Columbine tragedy happened, and the movie was, uh, put on the shelf for two years before it came out, uh, in 2001, with a different studio, the Desh, the interesting, the Death Wish remake, which obviously was one that everyone was really up in arms about. Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis had bounced around for a while. It was been it was delayed for a while, and its 2017 release was delayed because of the Las Vegas shooting. Uh, it still came out three weeks after, unfortunately, the Parkland shooting. Uh, one of the more, of course, other famous ones is the interview, uh, which was you know the the movie with Seth Rogen and, and uh, James Franco, when they're obviously going to go kill Kim Jong Un in uh, North Korea. Uh, that happened during the Sony email hack, and theaters didn't play the movie at all. A lot of theaters said we're not playing the movie at all because there was a threat of potential attacks. And, of course, there was a bunch of other ones. You know, there was a lot of movies that were affected uh, by the 9-11 attacks. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Collateral Damage was the real big one. I remember that one specifically uh, because that actually centered on a terrorist attack in New York City. And, uh, obviously, no one was very comfortable with that. That movie got delayed. I think it was got delayed like a year, maybe even more uh, after that. So, there was a bunch of, of course, other movies that got delayed by that. Something I didn't know 
I was doing a little research on, you know, this kind of incident, which is why I'm bringing up all these movie news, uh, these little tidbits. And anyway, uh, Ben Affleck's directed Gone Baby Gone was actually delayed in the UK because a young girl went missing. And if Casey forgot, the plot of Gone Baby Girl is a private detector, uh, private detective tracking down an abducted three-year-old girl. The young girl that was went missing in the UK around that time was also a three-year-old girl. So it's really, I, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just it's so weird that this is that that happened to me when I when I read that and I found that I was like that's really really weird. But um, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, there was a new a new little report. Uh, from Variety, I believe it's Variety, uh, it's linked down below, you guys will go straight to it if you click on it and read it, I, I do recommend you read it because it's a very interesting read, uh, apparently the hunt had some other issues like low test screenings, uh, which is a very common thing in Hollywood, which is how they you know go and try to fix some stuff if they can, so it's, it's yeah, I, I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like this is Again, somewhat of a rare move. Studios, you know, again with the with the world of streaming services and video on demands and stuff like that, it's really hard to be like, oh, we're gonna cancel a movie and not show it to anyone. You know, we can just drop it online somewhere. So you guys, if you guys really want to watch it, you're more than welcome to. Which is what they did with the interview. So I don't know if Universal Pictures and Blumhouse are actually going to do that or not. Uh, we'll see kind of what happens. Hopefully, this doesn't necessarily become a trend we'll see oh i just wanted i just wanted to to mention that because i felt like it was a pretty noteworthy news item at least for me especially after i read that article okay let's move on that was the only thing that came out last week that i that i really wanted to mention uh, and that was noteworthy uh so let's move on to the first segment of the podcast which is quickfire Got a few quickfire movie news items for you guys. The first one is that Kevin Hart is set to produce and star in in a new high-concept superhero comedy called Nightwolf. The movie comes from a pitch by Dan Hernandez and Benji Summit, who recently wrote the Detective Pikachu movie, and apparently draws comparisons to Meet the Parents, which is the Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro movie, because the film follows Hart's character meeting his future father-in-law for the first time, only to discover that he is secretly the superhero known as Nightwolf. That's pretty much all we know at the moment. The movie will be coming out through the production company STX Films. Uh, They actually have a deal with Kevin Hart and his production banner, uh, they're working on two films. This will be the third movie. It seems like the two. It seems like uh, the studio actually brought it to Kevin Hart and his team, and they really enjoy the concept. And now they're going to go and work together to bring this movie out. So that's pretty cool. That sounds. It sounds interesting. I'll see if they get the right cast. It, it could be done right. Uh, the next quick fire movie news item is the sequel to the murder or the murder on the Orient Express, titled "Death on the Nile," is looking to get its cast a little bigger, as they're currently in negotiations with Russell Brand to join the cast. The sequel will be directed by Kenneth Branagh, who directed the first film and also starred in the first film, and will see big names like Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Letitia Wright, Tom Bateman, and Annette Bening attached to star already. Again, Branagh was also is also going to come back to star in the movie. The sequel will see Detective Hercule Poirot, which is actually played by Branagh, enjoying his vacation cruise on the Nile when a newlywed heiress is found murdered on board, forcing him to identify the killer before the ship reaches the end of its journey. The Death of the Nile will open next year on October 9th. Filming is expected to begin sometime this fall. Next movie news item is in a rare move 
uh, very rare move, not because the movie wasn't successful, was because the movie was actually a big hit at Sundance, the film festival, and a lot of times when a movie comes out at Sundance, they don't get sequels. And this is a very rare move, but a welcome one, because Sony's Stage 6 production banner is working on a sequel to last year's hit thriller, Searching. If you don't remember, that is the movie that starred John Cho as a desperate father in search for his missing daughter, all told through a computer screen, uh, you know, using various apps and stuff like that. So it was it was a very good movie. Uh, it was very worthwhile. It was probably to many people a surprise hit because uh, it was made for so cheaply and it was bought for so cheaply, and then it just made a crap ton of money at the box office. Deadline actually broke the story and said that the original creative team will return along with a new cast and a new plot. Uh, and since everything is still in the early stages, we don't know where it could go, but this is pretty cool. Uh, it should be interesting to kind of see how they uh, try to make a sequel to it. Obviously, they're following a new cast of characters and a new story, So, uh, but the platform, the way they're doing it is very cool, so hopefully, uh, hopefully it works out. Next quickfire movies news item is that Aquafina is continuing continuing her banner year as she has signed on to star in the film adaptation of the fantasy adventure novel by Ailey Martinez called The Last Adventure of Constance Veretti. I think that's how you pronounce the last name. Uh, the story centers on Constance Ferretti, who, for mysterious reasons, was thrust into a battle with the supernatural from the moment she was born and has been saving the world from disaster ever since. Now she is exhausted and wants to sample what she's been missed on, or what she's been missing on, a boyfriend, a normal job, and best friends, but it's not easy to walk away from the life of an adventure when your face, when in fact, I should say, uh, you are the chosen one. The first book was published back in 2016, and Martinez is actually currently writing the third book, so yes, this could be a potential franchise if done right and if there is an audience for it. Aquafina is, of course, coming off The Farewell, which I watched this weekend, uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. It's one of the best movies of the summer, and I think it will be very. I will be very hard-pressed if that is not in my end-of-the-year best movies of the year. Uh, she was. She also has a voice in the Angry Birds movie too, which we'll talk about a little bit later on the podcast. She will be seen later this year in Jumanji: The Next Level. She has a role in that. She was also announced, uh, or it was also announced, that she will appear in Marvel's Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is part of their Phase Four and Phase Five plans. She will also be appearing in an adaptation of The Prom with Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman. She will also have, I believe, she's voicing a character in Netflix's The Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance series, and of course she will be in Disney's The Little Mermaid, which we will talk about in just a little bit. Uh, she also appeared in Ocean's 8 and Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, like I mentioned, she uh, was just in The Farewell. She was incredible in that. Uh, I believe that maybe now we'll be seeing a lot more of Aquafina, which I am all on board for. If they give her the right material, I think she will knock it out of the park. Uh, I wasn't on the Aquafina train, but uh, now I am. Now, after seeing the farewell, I am totally on the Aquafina train. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next quick fire movie news item. A little casting switcheroo is taking place on the sequel of A Quiet Place. Brian T. Re Henry was cast earlier this year in what was described as a big role, but the nature of it is being kept secret. Now, due to scheduling conflicts, Henry has been forced to exit, and the role will now be played by Jumun Hansu, who, of course, uh, I think most fans, or at least right now, will know him as Korath 
from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and Captain Marvel. Of course, there's also been a bunch of other stuff like Blood Diamond. Uh, and I don't know why I'm suddenly blanking on a bunch of stuff he's been in. Uh, Furious 7, for some reason, popped in my head. I know he was in that. Uh, I don't know why I'm so I'm blanking now. But you've seen him. <laughs> you've seen him. The sequel will bring back the family from the first film that was played by Emily Blunt, Noah Jupe, and Melissa, Millicent Simmons. Uh, with another newcomer in the cast played by Cillian Murphy, or Killian Murphy, however you want to pronounce his last name, uh, or first his first name, obviously from uh, Peaky Blinders, uh, he played the Scarecrow in the Nolan Batman movies, uh, and of course it has been a bunch of other stuff. Uh, his role is also being kept secret at the moment as well. We don't know anything about the sequel itself just yet, but we do know that John Krasinski, who was also in the first film, played the father, he also co-wrote and directed the first film, will return to fully write the sequel and direct the sequel once again, and the sequel currently has a release date for next year on March 20th. And now for our final quickfire movie news item, uh, kind of teased a little bit that we were talking about the little mermaid according to sources harry styles has passed on the role for prince eric in disney's live action the little mermaid those sources say that the initial report about his casting at least or at least being in early talks to join the movie were premature and that styles made the decision to move on amicably Disney is now looking for others for the part, and it seems like Disney will be announcing someone uh, very, very soon. The live-action movie will, of course, see Haley Bailey, not Haley Berry, caught myself from doing it this time, as Ariel, the mermaid princess who dreams of being where the humans are. Uh, and she is, she, she is actually the only confirmed cast member so far. Melissa McCarthy is still in talks to play the villain Ursula, Jacob Tremblay, and Aquafina. Now there's a name again, are, are nearing deals to voice the characters of Flounder and Scuttle, and Javier Bardem is also still in talks to play uh, Ariel's father, King Triton. Rob Marshall, who directed Mary Poppins Returns, is directing the film with Lin-Manuel Miranda producing the movie, as well as coming up with new music with original film composer Alan Menken. Uh, so there you go. Those are all your quick fire movie news items. Obviously, those are the ones I really don't have too much to say about them, or they're pretty much self-explanatory. Uh, so there you go. All right, so let's move on to the next tidbit of the podcast, which is, of course, trailer talk. Coming soon to theaters. All right, so we're going to talk about a few quick trailers here. There was the first trailer for uh, Hidden Life. That is the new movie written and directed by Terrence Malick, who, of course, has directed movies like The Thin Red Line and The Tree of Life. The historical drama is based on the true story of Franz Jägerstatter. I think that's not probably how you pronounce it, but... That's how I'm going to take it. An Australian, or an Austrian, sorry. Austrian, that, that doesn't make sense. An Austrian farmer and devout Catholic who refused to fight for the Nazis during World War II. That will open on December 13th, later this year. There was a trailer for The Kill Team, which is based on a true story, and the 2013 documentary of the same name. That stars Nat Wolf and Alexander Sarsgaard, and it's set during the height of the war in Afghanistan. Uh, Wolf stars as Adam, an eager American soldier who does not fit in with his rowdy, trigger-happy squad in Afghanistan, where he's coerced by his new sergeant, played by Sarsgaard, into killing civilians against his will, or else he will be killed by his own comrades if he blows the whistle. Uh, the movie looks very tense, very, very tense. It is uh, done by A24, which again, uh, we talk about a lot on the podcast. They have a great track record. Uh, despite a trailer being released, though, the Kill Team does not have a release date. So uh, right now we'll just have to go off the trailer for uh, for all of our excitement or maybe non-excitement for that movie 
Uh, the next trailer is Parasite. That is directed by Boon Joon-hoon, who has directed films like uh, The Host and a bunch of other great South Korean uh, movies. Uh, this movie won the Palme d'Or over at Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, or Cannes, however you want to pronounce it, depending on where you are in the country, is how you pronounce it. Uh, it centers on two families, the Wealthy Parks and the Inspirational Kims, who collide when the Kims find a way to insert themselves into the Parks' lives and start living off their largeness of the wealthy family. However, when a parasitic, when a parasitic interloper comes along, the battle breaks out that threatens the relationship between the two families. Parasite will open on October 11th, most likely in a limited release, uh, but uh, we'll, uh, obviously keep, I'll obviously keep an eye on that. Uh, it is This is called the U.S. trailer, uh, so if you want to go check that out, I highly recommend you do. It's very good. Obviously, it's subtitled, so if, that's, if that hurts your chance of going and watch this movie, then I feel sorry for you, because I'm actually going to go watch this. Uh, and finally, the last really quick trailer we're going to talk about is Last Christmas, uh, a holiday-set romantic comedy directed by Paul Feig. Last Christmas stars Emilia Clarke, a.k.a. Khaleesi, although she's not Khaleesi anymore because Game of Thrones is over, uh, as an unhappy woman who works at a year-round Christmas shop in London. Her life is upended when the too-good-to-be-true Tom, played by Henry Golding, walks into her store and immediately immediately, sorry, sees past her barriers. The story originated with Emma Thompson, who co-wrote the script and will play a supporting role in what, in the film, and what looks like to be Amelia Clark's mother, uh, or her, yeah, I think she's playing her mother in the movie. Uh, Last Christmas also co-stars Michelle Yeoh, so it's a nice little Crazy Rich Asians reunion of Michelle Yeoh and Henry Golding. Uh, the film opens on November 8th. It looks interesting. Uh, it's a romantic comedy. I mean, the, it, there's a lot more to what the description is giving away. Obviously, you could see that in the trailer if you watch it or have you, if you've already watched it. Um, the Henry Golding character is odd. I think some people have already figured out the twist uh, or the potential twist to his character. If you watch the trailer, you may you maybe figure it out as well. Uh, I kind of saw it a little bit, but and then there was like an article somewhere. I think it was on Collider that potentially gave away. Uh, whose character could be, uh, but regardless of that, maybe maybe it still work. Uh, it, you know, we we need these every now and then. We we need nice little you know romantic comedies, and obviously it's a holiday romantic comedy. You know what you're gonna get, so whatever. And Amelia Clark, uh, despite how people may feel uh, about her, you know, or about uh, Game of Thrones or whatever, she seems like one, generally genuinely one of the nicest people around. Uh, so I'm happy to see her, you know, starting to find some stuff outside Game of Thrones. Uh, now that Game of Thrones is over, be seeing her a lot. And Henry Golding, uh, we'll talk about Henry Golding a little bit later on the podcast because he's going to be a part uh, of a potentially big franchise if uh, he signs on the dotted line. And he is a name that uh, everyone should get to know very, very well because that is a name that's probably going to pop up a lot soon so uh last christmas opens like i mentioned on november 8th or if i didn't mention it no i did all right so the trailer we're going to talk about uh in its entirety today or not maybe not entirely but the trailer we're going to highlight this week is for the highly anticipated movie that is written and directed by Gerda Gerwig who of course did Lady Bird and it is an adaptation of the iconic novel by Louisa May Alcott and i'm talking about 
Little Women. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sisters. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe, to be a famous writer? Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't because I scorched my dress. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. I have an idea of how we can manage. Joe is a lost cause. So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. We can leave right now. I'll sell stories. Joe. And you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. I have hey. loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. It would be a disaster if we It married, wouldn't be a disaster. Okay? We'd be miserable. Joe, we would be a perfect I saint. I can't. A new play written by Miss Joe Marsh. <laughs> Women, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. And they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. Mary? Of course, it follows the lives of four sisters from childhood to adulthood. The sisters are played by Emma Watson, who's playing Meg, Saoirse Ronan, who's playing Joe, Florence Pugh, is playing Amy, Elisa Skeglin, uh, who's playing, I think it's pronounced her last name, who's playing Beth. She, for those of you who maybe don't know who she technically is, uh, she was recently in the uh, series Sharp Objects. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is also in the movie. He's playing Theodore. The cast also includes Meryl Streep, Laura Dern, Bob Odenkirk, and Chris Cooper. Little Women opens on Christmas Day or December 25th for those who don't celebrate Christmas. This looks rather... This looks pretty good. It looks like a Gerdo Gerwig movie. And that's, a, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying like, oh, it looks like a Gerdo Gerwig No, it looks like it's, it's, it's a Gerdo Gerwig movie. It's very, it looks very good. Uh, the trailer... Uh, it, it's kind of weird because it's, it's obviously a period piece, but it kind of it, it kind of feels like they're having like a little bit of these kind of modern conversations a little bit, and it's it's like just the way they're kind of delivering their lines, what kind of kind of nuance kind of thing, uh, and that's not saying anything about you know the book or or, or the characters or, or girl work or anything like that. I think it's rather good because I think, you know, obviously if you wanted to watch a straightforward adaptation of Little Women, you know, there's obviously been a lot of other Little Women movies out there and TV series, I think. 
think there was one recently, uh, with Little Women TV series not too long ago. But uh, I know a lot of people have been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this. I think it's great uh, seeing Saoirse Ronan and uh, Timothy Chalamet in it. Uh, obviously, they work together on, on Lady Bird with Gerwig. Uh, you know, obviously, their characters have more to go on in this movie than they did in Lady Bird, so it's really nice to see them going at it. Uh, Emma Watson's in there as well. Uh, Florence Pugh, who I am so happy is getting a lot of, uh, basically a big push in the industry. Obviously, she was in uh, Fighting With My Family. She was recently in Midsommar. Uh, she's going to be doing this. She's going to be in Black Widow next year. You know, so the only one I really don't know is uh, Lisa Scalin, who's playing... Beth, uh, mainly because I haven't finished watching Sharp Objects. I watched the first two episodes and then I stopped watching them because stuff came up and I just didn't didn't finish watching the series. Uh, But I am going to finish watching the series. So, and then you got you know you got Meryl Streep in there. It looks like she's playing the grandmother from it looks like. So maybe Laura Dern's playing the mother. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but that's kind of how it seems like. Uh, I don't think you actually saw Bob. Oh no, you do see Bob Odenkirk. I think briefly, uh, very briefly in there. Uh, I don't think you saw Chris Cooper. I know Tracy Letts is in there. He plays. Uh, it looks like he's playing the the editor or the publisher for uh, Saoirse Ronan's uh, Joe's story. So it looks pretty. It looks pretty cool. It looks pretty interesting. So I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Uh, it 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 looks great. This is obviously probably going to be a very big movie at the Oscars. Hopefully, hopefully that is the case. But uh, it's got a great cast. It looks good. It looks funny. Uh, Little Women is something that I think is going to go on a lot of people's lists, especially with that trailer. So, there you go. Those are the trailers we're going to highlight this week. Let's move on. Podcast, which is this week's movie news items. So, our first movie news item of this week's podcast is only a few weeks after it passed a billion dollar mark. Producer Dan Lin told comicbookmovie.com that Disney is exploring a sequel to Aladdin. Because, you know money. So it should be noted, in case you didn't know, the original Aladdin cartoon did get a sequel called The Return to Jafar, which everyone says is probably very, very bad. Uh, And it was also the first Disney direct-to-video animated movie. It also got another sequel called Aladdin and the King of Thieves, which everyone admits is the better the better of the sequels so i don't know we'll see how that works out we'll see what they we'll see what they do i i i'll admit that Alan was uh not necessarily arguably one of it's not my biggest surprise of the year i think that goes to another movie uh but i'll save that for uh for for another podcast but uh i was very surprised when i walked out of a land to 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 admit that uh i thoroughly enjoyed what I watched and uh, what they were able to do and how well they were able to bring the cartoon to to life and to make it really, it's kind of its own thing as well. Um, I really enjoy it. I'm not going to say it's the best live action Disney movie because I have not seen all the live action Disney movies. I have not watched Dis- uh, Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella. Uh, those are still movies I, I, have, I have yet to watch. But um, as for Aladdin, I mean... If they wanted to do a sequel, obviously they have the, the opportunity to, because Aladdin is one of the rare movies that actually has sequels. Uh, it has more stories to tell. So if they wanted to do that, I, you know, obviously Disney is in their right. But uh, if they were going to do an Aladdin sequel, I don't know how well uh, everything could work. I mean, yeah, it made a lot of money, and yeah, there's, you know, people are saying it's really good, but 
do we really want another Aladdin sequel? Like, do you do we really need another Aladdin sequel? Is probably the better question. And I would I would arguably say no, but there might be some people out there that say yes. Uh, so yeah, we'll just, just go with that. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Olivia Wilde. Let's talk about Olivia Wilde for a second and her next directorial effort. So a few weeks ago, there was a bidding war for a new script, and that film was going to be directed by Olivia Wilde. That was called Don't Worry, Darling. The bidding war included 18 bidders at first. It was all a bunch of major studios and, and streaming services. And it got narrowed down to six, and then it got narrowed down to three. And Olivia Wilde has, has made her decision, and she has chosen to go with New Line Cinema, which according to reports was aggressive from the start. The film is coming from Olivia Wilde and Katie Seberman. Seberman, I think that's how you pronounce her name. I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's something close to that, probably. Uh, who worked together, regardless of that, they worked together on Booksmart, uh, which is one of the reasons why the movie was sought out after. Or the movie, the movie was sought after. Uh, for. Uh, the movie itself is a, psy- a psychological thriller about a 1950s housewife whose reality begins to crack, revealing a disturbing truth underneath. Now, the original script was apparently written by Shane and Cara Van Dyke, uh, but buyers were impressed by uh, Simmerman's rewrites and how it will tailor to Wilde's vision. The, uh, the, au- the auction and the whole process of getting, uh, this, you know, getting, a, getting to a studio took a little longer than usual because Wilde was actually working on Clint Eastwood's new movie, The Ballad of Richard Jewell. And she was still able to meet with a bunch of people, but of course, it wasn't until recently that she finally uh, secured her spot. And this is also the second sale of a script by the duo. Uh, a couple months ago, Universal won a bidding war for an untitled holiday comedy from the two. So it's pretty cool. Now, New Line itself is obviously known for its horror thrillers recently, and in general, of course, uh, if you never heard the phrase, New Line Cinema is the house that Freddy built, that refers to the fact that New Line Cinema took a chance on a little movie, you may have heard of it, called A Nightmare on Elm Street. And it was A Nightmare on Elm Street that apparently saved New Line Cinema from going under, because it made that studio a lot of money. Uh, so, obviously, New Line right now, you know, they're involved in all the James Wan movies, uh, even the movies he directs and the movie he produces. Uh, obviously, they have It coming out later this year. So, uh, New Line is a very, very cool place. Should be interesting to see kind of how this turns out. So, here's an interesting movie news item, mainly because it's, it's somewhat not surprising and somewhat is. So, last year in July, it was reported that Neil Blumkamp, who is a director behind Chappie and District 9 and Elysium, was set to direct a RoboCop reboot slash sequel titled RoboCop Returns. Now, I don't know if you remember about. I don't know if you remember reading about this. Uh, I think at that point I was maybe still doing the podcast. I don't think I've taken my my break yet. Uh, but the movie's script was originally written by Ed Nemiran and Michael Miner decades ago, and they were actually behind the, the original RoboCop movies as well. And it was retooled by Justin Rhodes. Now, Blumkamp was actually uh, the one who confirmed the news on Twitter that he was leaving. And while doing so, he also seemed to confirm that he was set to shoot a new horror thriller movie. Uh, But didn't go into details about that. So he's off RoboCop, and now he's going to go and direct something else. So RoboCop Returns was actually set decades after Paul Verhoeven's classic first film. But other than that, there was no real plot details given. 
Uh, Blomkamp did mention that beforehand the original suit was going to return and he was hoping to bring back Peter Weller, who of course played Robocop himself. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. But alas, that was not meant to happen. Now, Blumkamp uh, has been attached to uh, some of these, uh, some big projects. Uh, there was that whole concept art uh, craze that came out of him uh, doing this. This crate. It was. It wasn't even that he was doing it for the studio. It was him doing it just for him. There was concept art that he created for an Aliens sequel. It was supposed to be a sequel that took place right after Aliens. So it was going to have Sigourney Weaver come back. It was going to have Michael Bean come back as Hicks. And it was going to have Newt come back. So he had done that and uh, apparently the concept art got to the studio. And the studio was like, yeah, we'll work with you. And then that's when really Scott came in and be like, no, 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 I'm, I'm doing Prometheus 2. Or, or, yeah, I think it was doing Prometheus 2 at that point. I don't think the first one was going to, I don't think, I think Prometheus was already made. And there, he was kind of slacking off a little bit on Prometheus 2 because he had gone to work on other projects. And then I, I guess he, when he got wind of of the studios, you know, taking this idea of making another Alien movie with Blomkamp, who had done the concept art, and they were like, no, 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 you know, he's like, no, I'm, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it. So the studio went with Ridley Scott instead, and that's how we got uh, uh, Alien. What was it called? What was it called? Alien Covenant. I already forgot the movie. I already forgot what it was called. I think it's called Alien Covenant. Uh, so we got that. And then Blumkamp went off and uh, said he was not going to do the Alien movie anymore. He was going to do uh, Robocop instead. And now he's not doing Robocop. Now he's off doing another movie. Uh, which is, again, a little surprising. Also, not too surprising. Because uh, Blumkamp, uh, if you remember, way back in the day, before District 9, him and Peter Jackson were going to do a Halo movie. Because the Halo movie has been in the works for a long time. And now Showtime is going to do the TV series, which I think is coming out next year or the year after. Something like that. But Blumkamp was supposed to do a Halo movie with Peter Jackson producing. And the studio passed on it. And then him and Peter Jackson uh, went off with the movie that they had collected and that they had you know, put together that they were going to put in. And they went to go do District 9, which of course went on to become this massive hit and this massive sci-fi uh, film that everyone enjoyed and is one of the best sci-fi movies of arguably the last decade. Uh, and, you know, he went off and did Elysium, which everyone said was disappointed, uh, was disappointed by, and then he went to go off and do Chappie, which was equally divisive. Uh, so, I don't know what's going to happen now. Uh, Blumkamp has, since then has gone and made Oats Studios, which, uh, if you want to go check out some of his... Uh, it's basically a series of short movies that he's done. He's put them up on YouTube. Uh, so go check those out. Those are very, very good. Uh, so if that's any indication of what he's going to do with this new horror thriller movie that he's working on, I am very eagerly excited, and I think a lot of others are very eagerly excited as well. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so it's a bit, a bit of a bummer, but at the same time, not too surprising. Alright, so let's move on to, speaking from one classic old movie to another, uh, the Jordan Peele produced reboot of the horror classic Candyman, which has already begun filming here in Chicago, which is really cool, uh, has now added two more names to the cast. Uh, Those names are Nathan Stewart Jarrett from the British TV series Misfits and Coleman Domingo from the AMC series Fear the Walking Dead. 
and two actors will now join the already casted Tanoya Paris from If Beale Street Could Talk and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II from Aquaman. Uh, the movie will be directed by Nia Costa, who directed the movie called Little Woods and is said to be a spiritual sequel to the 1992 movie which was based off Clive Barker's short, uh, short story The Forbidden. The reboot will be entirely shot here in Chicago, which is really, really cool, and features various locations throughout the city, including the neighborhood where the legend of Candyman began, the now genderfied north side where the Cabrini Green housing projects once stood. The original, in case you don't know or never watched it or forgot, starred Tony Todd, horror icon himself, as Candyman, a former slave turned artist who fell in love with a white woman and fathered a child during the 1800s and is killed by the woman's father when he hired a lynch mob to kill uh, to kill him. He was then smeared with honey, bees attack him, and is burned to death, and his ashes were scattered upon what became present-day Cabrini Green. The story became an urban legend, and if you say his name five times in a mirror, he comes and murders you, because that's apparently something you want to do. The original would go off and get two sequels out of it. Uh, Candyman is currently, currently has a release date, for June 12th next year. I'm pretty excited about this. I didn't realize they were filming the whole thing here in Chicago, which is really great. They started production this week. Uh, like I mentioned, Jordan Peele is only producing the movie, but even having his name attached is really, really cool. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. That's that's pretty damn exciting. Uh, as for the names, I, I, haven't, I, don't, I haven't watched uh, the British TV series Misfits. I, I've heard about it, and I hear it's good. Um, so I've never actually seen anything that Nathan... Stuart Jarrett has been a, a part of. Uh, Coleman Domingo is very, very good in uh, Fear of the Walking Dead. He had a very small role in If Beale Street Could Talk with with Paris, who was also in there. Uh, so that's really cool. And Yaya, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II is uh, is a name that you should get start. You should start getting to know because he's going to be uh, appearing in a lot more stuff. I feel like so. Yeah, I'm 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 excited for this. It's a spiritual sequel, so it's not necessarily a complete reboot. It should be interesting to see how that turns out. No word yet on if uh, Tony Todd will be appearing. He has to appear. I don't think he'll put. I don't think he'll be playing Candyman, but he has to appear in it somehow. Uh, I feel like so. All right, uh, let's move on to the next movie news item, which from one horror movie to another, uh, coming off the horror hit Crawl, uh, Alexandra Aja, who of course directed High Tension, The Hills Have Eyes remake, and Piranha. Uh, signed up to direct an untitled Haunted House movie for Steven Spielberg's Amblin Partners. And the kicker is, it will be an interactive horror film featuring a branched narrative, a.k.a. what the industry apparently now calls a choose-your-own-adventure-style horror movie. The film will be written by Jeff Howard, who had a hand in writing Netflix's The Haunting on Hill House. Uh, It will also be written by Nick Simon, who wrote The Girl in the Photograph, and Aja himself. It is based off the idea by Howard and Mike Flanagan, who pretty much directed all the episodes of The Haunting of Hell House. He's also directed Oculus, uh, Gerald's Game for Netflix as well, uh, Hush, uh, we- uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Or uh, So yeah, so this is pretty damn cool uh in a lot of respects this is really awesome so amblin partners is working with kino industries control movie technology which will follow filmmakers to create branch narratives interactive feature films that allow audiences to influence the storyline using an app on their cell phones 
Audiences mem- audience members will be able to vote in the theater to decide what characters would do at pivotal points in the narrative. So, there have been talks about having this kind of uh, this kind of idea in theaters. I believe there was actually a movie that came out not here in America. I think it was in I think it was somewhere else uh, where they did this, where they had a movie. Uh, you had to download an app before the movie started, and when you were sitting down, you would check in. And there would be like a, a vote, like a voting process. So the you know the choices with the most votes would be what would play. I don't know how this will work here in America. I mean, people already use their cell phones in movie theaters, which drives me insane. Why would you pay you know fifteen twenty dollars at the end of everything, fifteen twenty dollars for your movie ticket, for your soda, your popcorn, whatever you buy, candy, whatever. Uh, let's say twenty twenty five dollars, depending on you know where you are. You spent $25 to sit in a dark movie theater to look at your phone half the time and not pay attention to the movie. I know we have short attention spans, but you're watching a movie. Like, no, I'm going to be honest. I know you won't believe me, but I don't use my phone when when I'm watching a movie. Even during the trailers, I don't use my phone. You know, it's a whole experience for me to go to the movie theater, sit there, and watch the movie. And thankfully, you know, I don't, I've, I've had to deal with a few assholes who had their phones out for a lot of the time i had to deal with one person who uh, on actually three separate occasions uh, this has happened to me where i've had to physically look or turn around or nudge someone to be like hey go take your phone conversation because someone answered the phone and we're talking in the movie theater outside because i'm trying to watch the movie uh the idea is interesting i i think the idea doesn't really I don't know if it would really necessarily work for a movie theater cuz you know there's going to be people there who are going to pick the you know the decisions like pick everything that you should pick and then pick something that is just totally ridiculous to throw everything off. I think this works better for like a streaming service. Like obviously Netflix had it with uh Black Mirror the Black Mirror movie they did uh Bandersnatch. I think it works better for a streaming service than it does for an actual movie. Because you're encouraging people to use their cell phones in a movie theater, you know. I kind of, I mean, I know there's, you know, there was plans for certain studios to have uh, certain theaters, certain auditoriums, in you know, in their movie theaters where it would be a, uh, where it would be a uh, cell phone friendly auditorium, so you can use your cell phone without, you know having someone like me or anyone else who enjoys the movie theater experience from telling you to turn off your phone or telling you to at least, you know, put your phone away. I like the, but the thing is like, I like the idea behind it because of the people behind it. I like the fact that it's Steven Spielberg's Amblin partner. So you know his name, he will probably be like an executive or associate producer who will just have his name on it and probably won't have too much uh, to do with it. But you have guys like Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard who did The Haunting of Hell House, which was a phenomenal TV series. Uh, you have them involved. Alexander Aja, I'm not, you know, he's very 50-50 for me. You know, I liked Crawl. I thought it was very good. Uh, I, I really liked High Tension. Even the Hells Have Eyes remake was not that bad. But he did Piranhas and he did Mirrors, uh, which were not very which were not very good. So, it's, I like the idea of it i like the concept of it with the people involved but the whole idea the actual premise of the idea of 
hey, pull out your cell phone during a movie so you can pick where this thing goes. I don't know. I don't know if I'm okay. I, I'm okay with that doing. I'm okay with doing that at home. I'm not okay with doing that at a movie theater. That's just me. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? All right. So the final movie news item that we're going to talk about today. I mentioned that we we're going to talk about him again. Uh, breakout star Henry Golding is in negotiations to star in the G.I. Joe spin-off movie Snake Eyes. Of course, Snake Eyes is the Ninja Commando dressed in all black. He has been part of the G.I. Joe team from the get-go and is also known for never showing his face and never talking. Uh, he's also sometimes accompanied by his pet wolf Timber and fights and sometimes teams up with his arch enemy and blood brother, in some stories, Storm Shadow. And the script is written by Evan, I'm going to mispronounce his last name a lot, uh, Evan Spilotopoulos, I think, maybe, probably not. Uh, he wrote Dwayne Johnson's Hercules movie. He also had a hand in writing Huntsman, uh, The Huntsman's Winter's War. He also wrote uh, the live-action Beauty and the Beast movie, and he wrote the story for the upcoming Charlie's Angels reboot. Uh, this script, though, for Snake Eyes is set to center on Snake Eyes seeking revenge for his father's death by joining the Ninja Clan and in the process finding acceptance. The movie will be directed by Robert Schwintkin. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. That's how I'm pronouncing his last name. That's probably not how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. Uh, he has directed movies like Flight Pan, which is the Jodie Foster movie where her daughter goes missing on the, on the plane, uh, The Time Traveler's Wife, Red, which I really, really uh, loved and enjoyed, uh, R.I.P.D., and the last two uh, Divergent movies, which were called Insurgent and Allegiant. Uh, of course, Paramount made two previous G.I. Joe movies. Paramount, of course, will be behind this movie. The 2009's G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, which was not very good, and the sequel-slash-reboots uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation in 2013, which I actually thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, in both movies, the fan-favorite G.I. Joe character was played by fan favorite stuntman and actor Ray Park, who also, of course, played Darth Maul in Star Wars Episode One. Golding himself uh, is still relatively new to Hollywood. Everyone's like, so this is, you know, everyone's going crazy about him. He's still relatively new. He made his feature film debut in last year's Crazy Rich Agents. That was his first movie that he did. He then went on to star in A Simple Favor, which was directed by Paul Feig. Uh, he went, and then he's going to star, of course, Last Christmas, which we talked about earlier. Uh, he will be in next year's The Gentleman, which is directed by Guy Ritchie. And he also, uh, this year, launched his own production company called Longhouse Productions. So, he is making a name for himself relatively quick. And if he joins, if he signs in the dotted line for a Snake Eyes movie, uh, this could be his first real big feature film. And I'm not even going to say it's going to make him a household name, because I would make the argument that he probably is already a household name with Crazy Rich Asians, because, you know, that movie made a lot of money. So, But if he isn't a household name, I'm pretty sure playing Snake Eyes uh, would make him a household name. Uh, I don't know how they're going to go about doing a Snake Eyes movie uh, without mentioning G.I. Joe. So is this going to be before he joins G.I. Joe? Is it going to be flashbacks? Why would you give it to someone like Henry Golding, who uh, obviously is a big name? He's probably gonna not have to talk, so maybe he, you know, they see him as this. Uh, and, and no offense, I mean, obviously Henry Golding, very attractive man. I am very comfortable saying that. Very attractive man. Uh, he pro he does have the presence of, of a star, uh, so it's gonna be interesting to kind of see him going from having all these talking roles to go to a role where. 
you're not he's not supposed to talk and he's just gonna have a lot of body language so maybe that's what they're going for he i mean he obviously has a presence for it but will he have enough presence to lead the movie in a big action film role uh with a fan favorite character like snake eyes because if you fuck this up fans are gonna have a field day with you obviously the studio learned that with gi joe rise of cobra so it should be interesting. It should be interesting to kind of see how they go with this. I'm very intrigued by this. Uh, they've been working on the Snake Eyes movie for I think the last two, three years. I think it was officially announced last, uh, maybe last year, maybe a year and a half ago. But there was over there was always rumors that he was going to get his own movie. So now they're officially working on it. It's been a while since we actually heard anything about Snake Eyes. Ever since it was announced, it went relatively quiet for a long time. So now we got, and of course now we got uh, CBS and Viacom merger uh, happening again, and I think that I think maybe we'll be seeing a lot more out of this recently um, or soon uh, because you know obviously CBS and Viacom getting back together after 13 years apart is going to be a really big deal for both TV and film. So it should be uh, intriguing to see how all this goes, but I'm actually really looking forward to this. It's Snake Eyes is one of my favorite G.I. Joe characters. Uh, Henry Golding, like I mentioned, is going to be a name that everyone should get to know very quickly. Uh, if he does indeed sign on the Dollar Lightning Stone negotiations, he could very well sign very soon, but uh, I think, I, I would say the only thing that worries me is the director. Uh, obviously, those movies that I just named off, Flight Pan, Time Traveler's Wife, uh, Red, RPID, and the last two Divergent movies. Uh, the last two Divergent movies were not very, uh, were, were not handled very well. I didn't watch them, but from what I heard, they're not handled very well. And they were definitely not received well from fans and critics alike. Uh, so, we'll see how that turns out. But, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I, I, I genuinely am looking forward to this. So, it should be interesting to see how this turns out. Alright, uh, so those are all the movie news items that uh, came out at least at the time of this recording. Like I mentioned, I am recording this podcast a little earlier than usual because the podcast will be coming out a little earlier than usual. Alright, so that said, let's move on to this week's movie releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we got no real big limited releases coming out this week. I, I think there was an expansion on some. I think Loose is coming out and some limited releases again. Or getting a little bit of an expansion or getting out ahead of it. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, there was one movie that came out already. The Angry Birds movie 2 came out already. Uh, so if you want to look for that in the movie theaters, it can. Uh, other wide releases now coming out this weekend on a Friday are Blinded by the Light. In 1987, teenager learns to live life, understand his family, and find his own voice through the music of, Bu- of Bruce Springsteen. Uh, so there is that. Uh, 47 Meters Down Uncaged comes out. 14 girls diving in a rural, in a ruined underwater city quickly learn that they are entered, or that they've entered, I can't read now, entered the territory of the deadliest shark species in the claustrophobic labyrinth of submerged caves. Uh, this is something that I learned uh, recently, just like trying to find movie news items, apparently the movie has the daughters of Jamie Foxx and Sylvester Stallone in the movie. I guess they're two of the four girls who uh, who are in the movie, so that's okay. I didn't know that. I I, I just thought the cast is relatively unknown, so I kind of looked at it very quickly, so I didn't realize it was them. So I guess a little extra alternative if you want to go watch that. And the next movie is Good Boys, 
three sixth-grade boys, played by Jacob Tremblay, Brandy Noon, and Keith L. Williams, ditch school and embark on an epic journey while carrying accidentally stolen drugs, being hunted down by teenage girls, and trying to make their way home in time for the long-awaited party of their lives. I remember watching the trailer for the first time, and I thought this was so ridiculous, but there was something about it that was like, I want to go watch this. I don't know what it is. Uh, so uh, I know it's getting some relatively mixed reviews. Some people are saying are it's surprisingly funny and good and has a lot of charm and heart. So I know, and on the opposite side of the spectrum, saying it's it's about what you expect. It's some I'm, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've seen anyone say that it's complete trash. Um, I'm sure those are out there, but uh, no, we'll see. Uh, and the last movie coming out this weekend is Where'd You Go, Bernadette, based off the book of the same name and directed by Richard Linklater, who also co-wrote the film, but he's directed movies like Dazed and Confused, School of Rock, Fast Food Nation, Boyhood, Everybody Wants Some. A, a loving mom, played by Kate Blanchett, becomes compelled to reconnect with her creative passions after years of sacrificing herself for her family. Her leap of faith takes her on an epic adventure that jumpstarts her life and leads to a her triumphant rediscovery. The film co-stars Billy Crudup, Kristen Wiig, Judy Greer, and Lawrence Fishburne, to mention a few. I'm pretty look. I'm looking forward to this. I, this is also getting some very mixed reviews. Uh, some people are saying that it's that you know characters are great, but it's kind of muddles up the message a little bit uh, of what it's trying to say. But uh, I, I think it's really good. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Link later, obviously. He's one of those guys that whether you really like his movies or you really don't, I tend to be on the kind of I tend to be on the enjoyable side. I enjoy his movies. So uh, it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there is the the fact that this movie has been moved around a lot on the release schedule. I think it has release date moved around twice this year alone. I, I, that's not necessarily a bad sign, but you know, it's coming out on a pretty packed weekend and it's going up against uh you know Hobbs and Shaw which uh has been dominant the last two weeks I'm pretty sure one of these movies will end up uh winning the box office this week but um it's going up against that it's still going up against Lion King uh it's going up against you know all these other movies all the movies that came out last week like Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark uh so it's a pretty packed weekend you got something for everyone you got the raunchy comedy you got the uh the, the drama uh, comedy probably and where'd you go Bernadette you have your you know your your horror movie your thriller with 47 meters down you have your true story movie a drama coming of age of blind by the light and then of course you got your kids movie with Eddie Angry Birds movie 2 so those are your movies coming out this weekend uh, I don't know how you I don't know how you guys will feel about them but uh, I'm gonna go watch some of them and see how how they turn out and that's it, guys. That's all I got for you guys in the podcast this week. Thank you so much for listening. Obviously, let me know what you guys saw the podcast this week, no matter where you're listening. If you're listening on YouTube, please make sure to go go to the comment section and uh, you know let me know what you thought of uh, the movie news items, the trailers, all the movies that are coming out this weekend. Go ahead and also hit that like button and subscribe. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave me a rating and review. Also subscribe so you can, you know, it will go directly to your podcast and stuff like that. If you're listening to this anywhere else, uh, Podbean, that's kind of the only other place that's the podcast is right now. Uh, I am working on getting the podcast in some other places like Stitcher and Spotify, so uh, be on the lookout for those. Obviously, I will let you guys know if uh, if it goes to those platforms, if that's uh, easier for you guys to listen to. 
what else is down there? Uh, my Twitter and Instagram are down there. The WordPress account is down there where I do written reviews. Uh, the last one I did was for Hobbs and Shaw. I have not done one, I have not done another one yet. I'll be I'm gonna get back in the groove of writing reviews. So be on the lookout for that. I got some other stuff in the pipeline to put up on on those sites. So and uh, and yeah, that's all I got for you guys. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, in the trailers, of course, also down below in the description slash show notes here, so you guys go watch them. Uh, and those articles that I mentioned, uh, or actually, I, don't, I only mentioned one. So there was another article from The Hollywood Reporter, and it's basically uh, Disney had a conference call, it sounded like, a stockholders meeting or something, and uh, during that conference call, they, they mentioned a lot of stuff. And some of it had to do with the low performance, as they put it, uh, after acquiring a lot of the 20th Century Fox properties it's a very cool read it's a very interesting read uh, at least i found it interesting so uh that link is also down there the link for the the whole uh hunt the hunt movie uh controversy quote unquote is down there as well so go give those a read especially the the disney 20th century fox one because that that one was that i think that one's the better read but um yeah go ahead and uh, click on those uh and that's it that really is all it now thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast this week i really appreciate you guys for listening no matter where you're listening no matter how long you listen to if you made it all the way through hey i see you uh not really because that would be weird uh but uh but yeah uh thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast this week have a fun safe weekend be good people and as always go watch some movies yeah give it up movie